Moffaday, and welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. It's Friday, August 24th, 3.05 p.m. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, this is Live Till 5 here on 88.1 FM. KHMG Harvest Family Radio. Glad to have you with us today. Those listening on the radio dial, 88.1 FM, stereo, beautiful sound. Those listening online through khmg.org, that's khmg.org. You can be sitting at your computer or any device hooked up to the internet and listen to our live stream through our website, khmg.org. Of course, you can download all kinds of different apps that allow you to listen to FM radio online or through the Wi-Fi, through your internet, I'd encourage you to do so. Go to khmg.org. There are a number of different ways to listen to us here. You can also listen to the podcast after the show. If you ever miss part of the show, just download the podcast. A few hours after the show, it's usually uploaded there. Matter of fact, if you want to know when we upload things, follow us on Facebook, Harvest Family Radio Guam. If you're subscribed to our Facebook page, you'll know when we upload things because we send out little notices. And we'd love for you to be able to have access to that content, as well as many other great programs we produce right here at KHMG, 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. Glad to have you with us today. This is episode 278 on this Friday, August 24th. We've got a little bit of school under our belts. We have a full week of school now that we have completed, which is a lot of fun. Kids everywhere. We still have cars coming through Carline. Half a day to all of you that are still driving on campus, picking up your children, coming to watch soccer practice and volleyball practice and basketball practice and cross country practice. Those that are waiting for their kids to get out of music lessons. Maybe you're sitting in traffic on your way home. Half a day to you. Those that are still at work and you're listening to us on your computer. Glad you could be with us now. For the listening audience, if you ever miss part of the show, you can tune in on Saturdays from noon to 2 and Sunday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. So catch us on the rebound Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. when we rebroadcast the show in its entirety, all two hours, because we know many people cannot listen to two straight hours of radio. You're just too busy. You don't have time for that. I, I got you. You're catching us for a few minutes as you're running errands and you're going in and out of stores and sitting in the driveway trying to catch the end of a certain segment, but you can't listen to the whole thing. We got you covered. Saturdays, noon to 2, Sunday night, 7 to 9 p.m., we rebroadcast the show in its entirety just for you. Now, it is August, and uh, a lot happens in August around here, and I also uh, get a list of these things. We just started getting these uh, last week. And so this is from AmbassadorAdvertising.com. They sent us this little, what used to probably be a fax, but now it comes in uh, fax, but through our photocopy system here. But did you know that yesterday, the 23rd, was cheap flight day? I've never heard of this before. Flight prices typically reduce in price from 11% to 20% after cheap flight day. So if you're getting ready to book a trip, uh, that's good news. If you just booked a trip three days ago, that's not so good a news. Maybe you can uh, cancel it and rebook it for 11 to 20% cheaper. Today, Pluto Demoted Day. Do you remember uh, the rhyme to help students memorize nine planets? My very eager mother just served us nine pancakes. Well, the word pancakes there, the letter P is uh, 
symbolic of Pluto. The rhyme ceased when Pluto was reclassified by the International Astronomical Union as dwarf planet in 2006. Uh, earlier this week, the 21st, was National Senior Citizens Day. 28% of adults over the age of 65 live alone. 45% of women over the age of 75 live alone. Uh, the 20th, Monday, a few days ago, was National Radio Day. In a world where change is the only constant, keeping up with the most relevant changes in the industry can be daunting. Last month, this, uh, this resource here introduced... Um, basically a, a new device for different radio stations and things like that. And uh, very interesting. I like all the stuff they send us here. What else is happening this month? Well, in review, it's American Adventures Month, American Artist Appreciation Month, American History Essay Contest, American Indian Heritage, Black Business, Boomers Making a Difference, Cataract Awareness, Celery, Fennel, and Cactus Month. I think they had to lump those together because each one of those might not deserve a whole month. Put them all together. Totally worth it. Uh, This week, the 23rd through the 26th, let's see here, 25th through the 31st, Be Kind to Humankind Week, the 26th through the 31st, World Water Week, 29th through September 1st, Minimally Invasive Surgery Week, Uh, the 30th through the 2nd of September is Chuck Wagon Races, And National Sweet Corn Week is also the 30th through the 3rd of September. Some pretty obscure things there. Today, the 24th, is International Strange Music Day, which is perfect for this show because many of my bumper selections uh, would fall in that category of strange music. So the 24th is International Strange Music Day, Peach Pie Day. I haven't had a good piece of peach pie Ever on the island of Guam. Um, in the States sometimes, but we don't get a lot of great peaches here. National Waffle Day. I have had some good waffles. Pluto Demoted Day, as I mentioned before. Vesuvius Day. I think that's the day they estimate that Mount Vesuvius, uh, the volcano, e- exploded, erupted. And William Wilberforce Day. 25th, Brothers Day. Founders Day of the National Park Service. Franchise Appreciation Day. Kiss and Makeup Day, National Banana Split Day, and Secondhand Wardrobe Day. The 26th, Daffodil Day, Cherry Popsicle Day. I don't think I've ever had a cherry popsicle. Uh, Let's see here. National Dog Day and Toilet Tissue Day on the 26th. And uh, let's see, the 27th, Banana Lover's Day, Just Because Day, Lyndon Baines Johnson Day in the state of Texas, LBJ. Petroleum Day, uh, Slow Art Day, uh, the 28th, Crackers Over the Keyboard Day, not quite sure what that's all about, Dream Day, Bow Tie Day on the 28th, Cherry Turnover Day, mm, that sounds better than a Cherry Popsicle, Pony Express Day, and Race Your Mouse Around the Icons Day, 29th, Hoyle Day, Chop Suey Day, International Day Against Nuclear Tests, Lemon Juice Day, Marine Corps Reserve Birthday, More Herbs, Less Salt Day, and uh, Radio Commercial Day is the 29th. The 30th, Frankenstein Day. Uh, Let's see here. International Day of the Victims of Enforced Disappearances. International Whale Shark Day on the 30th. Grief Awareness Day is the 30th. Holistic Pet Day, which we're going to talk about pets later in the show. And Toasted Marshmallow Day. And finally, the 31st. 
Eat Outside Day, International Overdose Awareness Day, Love Litigating Lawyers Day, College Colors Days, uh, Matchmaker Day, Trail Mix Day, and World Daffodil Day, to name a few. A lot happening in this month. And uh, as we go to this break, we're going to be listening to a little Harvest Highlights where we're able to talk to students and staff and talk about what's happening here at Harvest. So we'll take a short break for Harvest Highlights. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Episode 278 on this Friday, August 24th, 3.13 p.m. here at the KHMD Studios. Have some special guests joining us in just a little while. So stick around. More live till 5 after this short break. With a little more live till five, I'm your host Jared Baldwin. Episode two hundred and seventy-eight at three nineteen p.m. on this Friday, August twenty-fourth. Catch us on the rebound Saturdays noon to two, Sunday nights seven to nine p.m. We do that on purpose because we know many of you cannot just listen to two straight hours of radio. Hey, we're all busy. I'm busy. I barely have time to be here for two hours. I can't imagine listening for two hours. So catch us on the rebound or download the podcast. And then, you know, cool life hack, listen to us on 2.0 speed. So it sounds like Alvin and the Chipmunks, but you can listen to two hours in one hour. That's a life hack for you. You're welcome. I want to talk about a little happy little accident. I get these from the books. The book, Accidents May Happen. 50 Inventions Discovered by Mistake by Charlotte Foltz Jones, provided to me by Helen Meadowbrook, one of our longtime listeners. She's had at least two of her kids work in the radio station over the last two decades. Here we go. And her son, Ben, by the way, is in Australia representing the island of Guam in a big cross-country meet there. So go get him, Ben. Here you go. A happy little accident. Fingerprinting. What do criminals bring with them when they commit a crime? Their fingers. You would hope. You would think. Uh, Fortunately for police, many criminals leave behind their fingerprints. Fingerprints found at the scene of a crime are either latent or visible. What's the difference? Well, visible prints are formed by dirt or blood or other material that uh, make them easy to find and easy to see. Latent fingerprints usually cannot be seen, but they can be brought out using chemical techniques. Police sometimes use a dusting powder or chemicals such as iodine, silver nitrate, or ninhydrine solution. In 1982, a new method for lifting fingerprints was discovered by accident. There are several stories about this new discovery, but the most accepted is this one. A glass aquarium tank in a Japanese crime lab had a crack. Before going home one evening, the detectives in the lab emptied the tank and tried to repair the crack using superglue. When they returned uh, to the lab the following day, they were surprised Uh, to find white fingerprints all over the glass aquarium. After doing some research, they found that the chemical and superglue called cyanoacrylate condensed and turned into a liquid. The liquid stuck to the body oils along the ridges of the fingerprints left on the surface. As it dried, a plastic mold formed over the ridges of the fingerprints, making the pattern visible. 
This new method of detecting fingerprints is called cyanocycrylate fuming. It is especially effective in developing latent fingerprints that might be on aluminum foil, cellophane, rubber bands, styrofoam, or other plastic products. Wow, that's very interesting. Fingerprints, who would have thought? Here we go. Did you hear about this? This kind of fits underneath my Stranger Than Fiction. For those of you listening for the first time, sometimes I just come across stories that I feel like I just need to share with you. They're just, just interesting. This made me think of some of the students at Harvest Christian Academy. Um, yet, it's in Tbilisi, uh, Georgia. 18, not Georgia, the United States, Georgia, like Eastern Europe. 18-year-old student from Georgia solved six Rubik's Cubes, which is quite a feat, by the way, underwater in one breath last Friday in a bid to set a new Guinness World Record. Vako Marchalashlavili was submerged in a glass tank for just over one minute and 44 seconds as he flipped, turned, and solved the cubes in front of a crowd at the Gino Paradise Aqua Park in Tbilisi. He said he'd been preparing for the underwater challenge for six months, training several hours a day. He said, I trained a lot planning to break the record and to ensure my safety because even a small mistake could be dangerous and life-altering. I think my result will say... As a rec- stay as a record for a long time. I hope to break many other records. And then goes on to say, after observing his attempt, the Georgian Record Federation issued a diploma confirming his result. They will send their evidence to the Guinness World Records headquarters for verification. The current underwater record of five cubes was set by Anthony Brooks in New Jersey in the United States in 2014, according to Guinness World Records website. Very interesting. You know, uh, those of you who've been listening for a while, you know I really like interesting figures of speech. Like I've talked about a mor- what a Morton's Fork is, or a Hobson's Choice, or a Catch-22. Um, I've had a number of those types of... Uh, we talked about the donkey. I forget forget the, the name that goes with that, but basically when... There are two equally good choices, and the donkey starves. I can't remember. I just talked about this a few weeks ago. But I came across another phrase recently that I wanted to share with you because I just love these little phrases. A Faustian bargain. Faustian bargain. I can't remember if this came up in a conversation up here or if that was something that I uh, read somewhere, watched somewhere. So I looked up, what is a Faustian bargain? I thought I knew what it was, but uh, this confirmed even more details. A Faustian bargain basically is a pact or a deal whereby a person trades something of supreme moral or spiritual importance, such as their personal values or their soul, for some worldly or material benefit, such as knowledge, power, or riches. So a Faustian bargain is basically selling your soul. And it comes from the, the German story about Johann Faust, who was a dissatisfied, wealthy guy who traded the devil. The devil traded him his soul for knowledge and pleasure. Now, of course, the devil, you know, your soul, this, that's a whole other sermon. But basically, that's the story. Faust traded supposedly his soul for pleasure and knowledge, and then, of course, in the end, lost everything. But a Faustian bargain is when you trade something super important 
for something very temporary, even if it's good but temporary. You cannot use this talking about bologna sandwiches at lunch. So you can't say he traded his Capri Sun juice box for that apple slice. That was a Faustian bargain. Well, that would probably be an uh, an inaccurate application of that. It would be more like he, you know, sold out his personal values to get, uh, you know, promoted in his company uh, to be vice president or something like that. So anyway, Faustian bargain. I'll probably try and use that in a sentence sometimes very soon. Now, with no relation to Faustian bargains, I would like to talk about the primary election ballots here. So do not put those two things together. I don't intend for that. It's just the way I had it stacked up here. But I did get from the Guam Election Commission uh, website the list of all the people that are going to be in the primary election and special election, the candidates for 2018. And I would encourage you to go out and vote. Hopefully you're already registered. Go to your local polling place and vote tomorrow. Um, Here are the uh, candidates, and this is the order that they're placed in based on um, uh, the way the Guam Election Commission uh, listed them after they reconvened their meeting on July 2nd, 2018. So there's no order here from me. This is the order straight off the website. You can look this up, gec.guam.gov, and then you can look up the, the list of candidates for 2018 primary election and special election. Here you go. Um, and this goes back to July 2nd as far as the way this is listed here. Democrat candidates for governor and lieutenant governor. Number one, Leon Guerrero, Lourdes uh, Afogui Leon Guerrero, and Josh Franquez Tenorio, uh, Tenorio. Number two, Dennis Rodriguez Jr. and David Cruz Jr. Number three, Carl Gutierrez and Fred Bordalio. And four, Frank Blas Jr. and Alicia Limtiaco. Democrat candidates for the 35th Guam Legislature. There are 20 of them. Franklin Minow, uh, Celestin uh, Babauta, uh, Lacia Casil, Jermaine Alerta, Sabina Perez, Clinton Rigel, uh, Armando Dominguez, Maria Milligan, Ned Pablo, Talina Nelson, Jack Haddig, Therese Terlahi, Adolfo Palacios, Tina Munya Barnes, Amanda Shelton, uh, Joe San Augustine, Will Park, Regine Lee, uh, Dr. Kelly Marsh, and Jose Terlahi. Those are the 20 Democrat candidates for the 35th Guam Legislature. Democrat candidates for non-voting delegate to U.S. House of Representatives. There are two, Madeline Borzalio and Michael F.Q. San Nicolas. Now, for the Republicans, Republican candidates for governor and lieutenant governor. There's only one, uh, Ray Tenorio and uh, Vincent Anthony Atta. And then for the Republican candidates for the 35th Guam Legislature, Luisa Munya, Mary Torres, um, William Castro, Javier Atalig Jr., Julius Santos, Jeffrey Wheaton, Michelle Titano, Benito Servino, Ryan Calvo, Stephen Guerrero, James Moylan, Kenjo Atta, Jose San Augustin, Roland Blas, Harold Cruz, Tello Tidegui, Alfredo Antolin, Janae Uggen and Amanda Blas. 
Republican candidates for non-voting delegate to the U.S. House of Representatives, Doris Flores Brooks. Candidates for Attorney General, there are three. Gary Gumatautau, Douglas Moylan, and Levin Camacho. And then candidates for special election for public auditor. And these are not uh, the Attorney General and the uh, public auditor. They don't have any party affiliation listed next to their names. So Gumatautau, Moylan Camacho don't have a party affiliation listed here. So they're not two separate lists. Candidate for special election for public auditor. Again, no candidate affiliation listed next to them, but you have Doreen Christostomo, Benjamin Cruz, and Yukari Hechenova. So those are the three for public auditor. So there you go. I would encourage you, get out tomorrow and vote. It's very important. And uh, no matter what direction you go with it, um, it's good to exercise that privilege that so many people have worked hard and sacrificed for and some have died for to have those freedoms. So I'd encourage you to get out and vote and uh, make Guam a better place. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. It's 3.31 p.m. on this Friday, August 24th. want to take a short break. When we come back, a very, very, very special guest. He's kind of like an artist or something. We'll talk to him in just a few minutes after this break. with a little more live till five it's friday august 24th my anniversary 27 years can't believe it happy anniversary to my lovely wife tammy baldwin it's 3 35 p.m and i would rather be spending time with her but you know my listening audience we've got this long-term relationship 278 times we've spent two hours together on a friday afternoon And I hate to break that just because of 27 years of happy marriage. So I'm fitting them both in. My wife and I are going out for a nice dinner after the show. But one guy that I get to hang out with right now that is uh, a close second to my wife would be Brandon Pegarito. And uh, Brandon Pegarito is one of the alumni of Harvest Christian Academy. He's a professor here of art and he's a renaissance man himself. Brandon, how are you doing? I am doing great today. I am so glad that it is a Friday and uh, ready for the weekend. I'm sure. Uh, what classes do they have you teaching this year? Well, I am a junior homeroom this year, and uh, I head up the clubs for uh, student clubs uh, here at Harvest, and we just started out, started that off today in chapel, so I had a bunch of different uh, club rush Uh, activities during lunch and break. Um, I am also in charge of the art program. So I teach the uh, 9th through 12th grade students. I also am involved with the after school art program with the kids. Uh, So that's fun because uh, they don't really have many guide teachers. So they are so um, amazed by just having me as their art teacher. And uh, I also help with uh, volleyball coaching in uh, the second quarter or fourth quarter so those are i believe those are 
that's many of the things that's also life skills and life skills that's all i mean what do you do with all your free time wow Uh, yeah i'm tired (laughs) (laughs) and you guys have a new baby as well yes we do. maybe give a shout out to your family there hey guys love you can't wait to spend some good family time this weekend so if you're listening Uh, what ages are your kids uh, six years old. Chloe will be six. Isaiah is three, and uh, Lily is going on three months. Wow! Wow! Well, you don't look exhausted enough to be a parent of three under the age of six. So it's tiring. Congratulations. Tiring. Well, um, I brought you up here. Well, first off, you're just a hoot to hang out with anyway. But um, <laughs> wanted to have you up here. Uh, I wanted to first ask you, how did you get into art? I mean, to be an art teacher, that goes beyond just a hobbyist. I mean, you had to really love it. How? Where did that develop? How did you get into it? Well, I can think back to the first days of drawing. And um, I remember uh, second grade, even before second grade, just having an interest in copying things. And I still remember this story in second grade. I drew... A, uh, a Garfield folder, not traced it, and um, my, my classmates like, no, you didn't do that. You traced it. You lied. <laughs> so I still remember that's my first memory of uh, an official drawing I did, but I loved, to, uh, I loved drawing the Ninja Turtles when I was little and all the superheroes, and my first official class that actually took with art was actually in uh, the, my mom's public school. She, they did a summer program, so I believe I was like third grade or so. And then uh, in in uh, Harvest, my first official art class um, within the school day was with Mrs. McGrew. Wow! So that was uh, my seventh grade uh, seventh grade art class. That's right. Wow! And then did you do like extracurricular art and things like that when you were in high school? Yes, I did. So seventh grade all the way up to 12th grade with Mrs. McGrew. Wow. And you guys did art shows and things like that. Some of the things the kids participate in now. Yep, that's right. And then you went off to college. Did you study art at college as well? Yes. So after graduating from here, and uh, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with with my skills. Uh, And I had a lot of different interests. You know, I enjoyed sports and uh, being saved here at the school, uh, had an interest in the gospel, definitely. And uh, that transformed my life and my thinking. And then, of course, I had my skills with, with art. I got a little bit into music, not too much. Uh, and so when I went to college, I um, was kind of all over the place. I always took art as a, as a, as a minor, at least. So I took classes and ended up with a degree in art education. Wow. Okay. And that's at Bob Jones University? At Bob Jones University. Great. And then you came back here. Was this your first teaching job out of college? Uh, yes. Yes. Yes, it was. All right. You probably did some student teaching yeah, there. Yeah, student maybe. teaching okay. in different places. So in the States, did student teaching in the public school, uh, Woodmont over there in South Carolina. And um, after that, after I was finished, came back here to Guam and started up teaching here nice all right and you've had the uh, opportunity to do a few murals let's talk about the most recent one you worked on one this summer right before your wife was getting ready to give birth right yes so tell us a little bit about um for the listeners that haven't seen yet maybe describe it a little bit and then tell us what was the inspiration behind it all right so the mural that i worked on uh this summertime 
is uh, basically focusing on the elementary building, the ELC, and I wanted the theme to tie in with the elementary setting, the students. So that's, that's kind of the mission, part of the mission when I do the murals is put it in, uh, in a place and have it match that place um, as much as possible. So the inspiration for it, really, it, it comes back to um, the gospel and really how am I going to get the gospel um, everywhere on our campus, and people can see it, and they can see it illustrated in some way, not necessarily literally at times, but uh, for example, the one we used for the ELC was, um, I will praise thee for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, in Psalm 139. And so taking that theme and thinking about what are the associations with this idea. So I think about um, how a person makes something, how the world is created, think about creation. And the initial ideas that I started off with was with a storybook idea. So very elementary and thinking about um, the different stories that they get to read as young children. And my daughter right now, just having fun reading different books to her. She's at that age. And even my son, Isaiah. And using that as a, as a springboard into what I created. So um, I focused more on like a local theme. And I chose that. Uh, I started off with like Dr. Seuss ideas and um, tying in with uh, where the wild things are and um, my wife's my wife's the best uh, my best critic, so she always tells me, you know, I don't know if uh, we should go that direction. I was like, yeah, maybe not. So she's <laughs> wives are good at that. <laughs> yes, definitely. So she doesn't hold back. <laughs> she tells me how it is. So um, we we did some brainstorming and ideas of compositions of how the actual mural will look with this idea of God's creation and taking animals that you may see locally, so the carabao, the, the guam, the pig, the, um, the cocoa bird. And so uh, that was pretty much where those ideas originated from. Well, when people go by and see it, it's really neat. It's in the little uh, drive, circle drive area of the Early Learning Center, and when the gates open, you can go in there and take a look. It's really neat. So as parents pull by, they get a full view. If someone was to walk up, I didn't get to ask you this ahead of time, so maybe there is no answer to this, but someone's to walk up and take a really close look, is there anything they would notice about it that they wouldn't notice if they were just driving by? Like, are there any little details you put in there, um, anything that, like, little clues or something that, that you'd want someone to really look at and they would notice, oh, that's what that is, something like that? Yeah, so the the idea of the book, and I, I kind of share this with, with the team, uh, that was kind of helping is there the the two the three kids that are in the mural uh, I use references from our from our ministry from the the kids in the church so the middle one I have my daughter and uh, she's holding a book and so the book is a, a pop-up type book and if you look closely the pop-up book illustrates or it actually is the the mural itself oh neat so if you look carefully at it, it's you'll see um, the branches, the 
the the banana leaves kind of flaring out and some of the the colored plants that are that are popping out of it and uh, basically bring the idea of the book to life so they find themselves in the book exactly oh that's neat exactly and then you said your daughter is the inspiration for the child in the middle yes and then there's uh, two other kids. Yes. Were you inspired? Uh, are they modeled after someone yes. else? So we have uh, JT for the boy on the left, and then we have Renee for the girl on the right. Oh, that's great. That's great. And it's, and it's uh, three different looks, you know, little mm-hmm. little little blonde hair in there, little dark hair, little mm-hmm. different shades of skin. I mean, it's just, it's a really neat representation of mm-hmm. the types of children that we all get to minister to and be around here on Guam. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. So now that's not the only mural you've done on campus. Why don't you tell us about, uh, you've done one more, right? Two. Two more. Two. Okay. Tell us about yeah. those. So the first one, the first one I ever did with the school uh, was the Eagle in the Gym. Oh, that's right. That's right. So... Uh, for me, that was the, the kind of the starting point for the whole entire projects um, that are in the future to come. So uh, just kind of, you know, very interested in sports, and I'm always there in the gym. It's like, you know what? Like, there needs to be something, you know, that represents our school in this gym, either on the gym floor or on the wall. And uh, so I got some ideas together and then pitched the idea to Pastor. And you know what? He loved it. He liked it. And so uh, from there, I spent uh, a summer on a lift. So that was a different type of mural to do. And so um, much larger scale. Yes. Uh, yeah. uh, whereas the, the mural down by the Early Learning Center is at ground level. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, it's almost uh, it's probably a little larger than life scale in some ways the children are probably a little bigger than what mm-hmm. actual children would be but the eagle is huge mm-hmm. yes and then i actually had it planned bigger so they actually wanted to keep it underneath the projector oh that's so we right yeah it. right 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 <laughs> yeah it's kind of anti uh that, that that doesn't make sense with uh, being the artist that's painting yeah. this big 20 by 20 eagle mural <laughs> that's breaking out through the bricks that's cool yeah. and then what about the other mural probably the least seen mural because yes. of its location on campus uh, you got to be back there or you got to be at a soccer game tell us about that one yeah so the the first one um was the eagle the second one i started um was the the wave of the great wave at kanagawa kanagawa i believe and uh inspired by hokusai and this is at the art lab just Mm -hmm. the from the art lab so just a very famous um print from the artist and uh, associating with the island and then tying in the 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 verse from colossians and how god is the maker of all things. So starting there and very appropriate for the kids as they walk into the room, as we make things with our hands uh, and manipulate different materials, they get to see and be reminded of the fact that where do all things come from? And uh, it originates with the master artist. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's, that's a beautiful mural as well because it's got that foaming various shades of blue sea wave that's so iconic. Uh, when you go to Japan, you see that mm-hmm. style of art everywhere, and that's you represent that very well on the side of the building over there, and it's, it's kind of a neat entry into the art lab. Mm-hmm. 
So I like when I give people tours, I like taking them by there so they can see that. So Walk right into the wave. There you go. That's awesome. Yeah, it's just uh, communicating to the students that it's going to be smooth sailing in your class. That's right. Well, actually, it looks more like a tidal wave. But, you know, you don't want the kids to think like that. So, well, Brandon, I'd like you to stick around and uh, play a little What's in My Coffee with us in a little bit. And uh, it's a free drink for you. And uh, play the quiz with Sebastian as well. So you'll stick around? I will. All right. And listeners, you'll stick around too, right? Okay. That's great. All right, it's 3.49 p.m. here on Friday, August 24th, here at the KHMG Studios. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host, episode 278. A little break, then we'll be back with more Live Till 5 after this. The last few minutes of the first hour of Live Till 5 is Friday, August 24th, 3.54 p.m. Here at the KHMG Studios, I'm Jared Baldwin, your host, episode 278. The theme today is going to be animals in the second hour. We've had a wide variety of things here in the first hour, including an excellent interview because of the the guest, not because of the host, Brandon Pegarito. And he's going to stick around second hour, play What's in My Coffee for his first time ever as well as the quiz with Sebastian. Lawrence is going to be up here with This Day in History, jumping in on all the fun and frivolity. But since we only have a couple minutes till the top of the hour, and I know that we have a wide variety of listening audience, and some of the listening audience really likes corny jokes. I just know it. Uh, I I get anecdotal feedback from some of the listening audience, especially the younger generation of listening audience. And my research assistant... Jessica provided me with some science jokes that I was not able to share last week. So I would like to share those with you right now. And then, kids, you can use these jokes in class. You can use them at the cafeteria. You can use them standing in line at the store. You can run them past your parents. You can run them past your grandparents. These are those kind of jokes. For example, they are all science-themed here. Thank you very much, research assistant Jessica. She's also the staff baker uh, for the show. Just just make sure we give her full credit. Um, and actually, she's the uh, third backup driver for regular guests. Okay, anyway, here we go. <laughs> Chris, you get that puzzled look on your face. Um, okay, here we go. What is a tornado's favorite game to play? What is a tornado's favorite game to play? Twister, of course. Uh, What did the limestone say to the geologist? This is a deep one. (laughs) No pun intended. Don't take me for granite. Get it? The limestone said it to the geologist. Don't take me for granite. Uh, Here's another one. You know what I just realized? I like corny jokes. That's why I'm doing this. It's not because anyone else. How do you cut the sea in half? With a seesaw. Uh, How can you tell a tree is a dogwood tree? By its bark, of course. Three more. Don't, don't, Don't change the station, please. Three more. What kind of tree can fit into your hand? A palm tree. Uh, How do you stop an astronaut's baby from crying? You rock it. And finally, that was a, we we switched from like botany to uh, astronomy. And then finally, 
How did Ben Franklin feel after discovering electricity? He was shocked, of course. Yeah, some of those uh, might have been obvious, but, you know, for our listening audience, I like to share these things so that I'm trying to put more tools in their hands, more humor tools in their hands. It is a Friday afternoon at 3.57 in the afternoon. Sometimes you just need a little little light, a little, little something to lift the load off your shoulders. You, you feel weighed down. You feel a little heavy, and I'm trying to lighten your load a little bit. So that's what we do on this show. Now, we have a whole second hour coming up. We're going to have This Day in History with Lawrence Nagengast. We're going to have What's in My Coffee, including our guest, Brandon Pegarito, art professor extraordinaire, world-famous mural painter. We uh, are going to have a quiz with Sebastian. We're going to have the topic of the day, animals and pets, uh, all kinds of things coming up in the second hour, plus just uh, uh, some news and maybe talk a little bit about the weather and a little more. So stick around for a second hour of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. Episode 278 on this Friday, August 24th. You're listening to Live Till 5 on 88.1 FM, KHMG, Harvest Family Radio, Barragata, Guam. Stick around for SRN News in a second hour of Live Till 5. And we're back with another hour of Live Till 5. It's Friday, August 24th, 4.03 p.m. here at the KHMG Studios, broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio. This is Live Till 5 on 88.1 FM KHMG. If you ever miss part of the show, don't worry about it. No need to be stressed out. We don't want this show to cause any stress. Um, The only stress this show causes sometimes is Chris as he's listening to me or sometimes my wife when she's worried about I'm going to say something and, you know, putting my foot in my mouth. But other than that, this show should cause no one else stress. And uh, you can listen to the show in rebroadcast form on Saturdays from noon to 2 or Sunday nights from 7 to 9 p.m. We do that on purpose because we know people miss the show. Now, join in studio. I have Sebastian to my right. How's it going, Sebastian? It's going great. All right. And Brandon in the middle, middle chair there. You're, you know, if this was the back seat of a, a let's say a, a Ford Fairmont station wagon, you'd be sitting on what they call the hump there. So that's the, the <laughs> seat where hump. you might have to share a seatbelt, uh, depending on what year it is, share a seatbelt with Lawrence there, who's sitting oh, to your... Not a whole lot left. Did you guys ever have to do that when you were a kid? Oh, man, that was terrible. My parents bought a, a Chevy Blazer 2 and it only had two seatbelts in the back. And the seatbelt oh. just burnt your thigh? Yeah, they were vinyl <laughs> oh, seats, so the back horrific. of your legs smelled like bacon. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? 
Doing fine. Okay, yeah. that's great. Vinyl seats, <laughs> and they, and they'd be red and striped. Back oh. to that thought. Oh yes, kind of like bacon. Right. I guess you're yes, right. Yes, just like bacon. It looked and smelled like yep, bacon. Like center cut bacon was the back of my legs. Center cut. That's right. extra lean. <laughs> so uh, for our listening audience, uh, this segment of the show is of course brought to us by Hebrews, the hub, our coffee shop and bookstore, offering an endless variety of coffees, teas. And snacks. I go there every day. I like it a lot. I love the hub. The people there are probably the nicest people. Maybe in the galaxy. I haven't been to every corner of the galaxy, so I'm not sure. But they're really nice people. Jeremy, uh, Megan, Jilda, Sunny, Betty Jo, Mary Lou, and um, uh, Q37. Now, all those people, they're just awesome people, and I'd encourage you to go by and get a drink there. Now, they provide drinks to us every week. They don't reveal the identity. We try to describe them to you, the listening audience, in the theater of the mind by telling you what they look like, what they smell like, what they taste like, and then we do the big reveal at the end with what they are. And what we try to do, because every drink from the Hub is a great drink. Now, every once in a while, someone might get a matcha you know, hot matcha. What was that? Hot matcha chai. What, what was that drink? Chris Green got tea last matcha. week. Green tea matcha. Sometimes someone might get that, and it might not be their favorite because of the earthiness or whatever. But we still try and give a positive spin on it. So you might you might hear that in our voices. But today, everyone looks pretty happy right now. So, yeah. um, but we're, no we're, perturbed we're, looks. Yeah, we're here to to uh, encourage people to stop by the hub Mondays through Fridays, seven thirty a.m. to four p.m. Sebastian, did you get a glass of water there? Oh, no, I did not. Okay, what do you have? Do you want, I'm going to describe it for you. It's, uh, I take a sip of this, and I am instantly reminded of childhood memories in Texas. Ooh. The streets of Texas, you can hear the, the sound of a, of a... No. Oh, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> I didn't know which city you grew up well, in. Well, yodeling, I perhaps? I won't get into that. But you do hear a familiar tune coming in the distance and you know that you have to grab whatever change you can and run outside to this tune because this tune is the ice cream man oh yeah and i i would remember running out and behind yeah, the ice turkey cream man. in the straw i think is the song that the ice cream truck plays oh really the groundhog um the one um the the thing that pops out of the box Oh, no, 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 no. I believe it's Turkey in the Straw, no. not Pop Goes the Weasel. Oh. Uh, but I don't know. In Michigan, maybe they play Pop Goes the Weasel. We don't have ice cream trucks because we just eat the snow. Yeah, they literally <laughs> just leave them on the side <laughs> so of the road. They, they, don't, they wouldn't have a business there. So, Sebastian, you would run outside with the change. I would run outside, and I would go behind the ice cream truck and not bef- in front of it, mm-hmm. lest That's I be good. hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would order something cold because it's very hot out, and it would be this... What we'd call a raspa, but it's actually like shaved ice, but it's okay. like the Mexican version. Okay. And um, and it he, the ice cream man would give it to me, and I would just. So did your parents just tell you you lived in Texas, or like why would they have a raspa that's the Mexican version? Because I lived in Texas. Because that, that's <laughs> the. I'm what? asking, are you sure it wasn't Mexico, and you just said it? It was, it was Texas. <laughs> As you had the Mexican version of the drink. There so are many Mexicans in Me- uh, Texas. So in, in Texas, they have Tijano things. So you have 
Mexican things in Texas, and so yeah. a raspa is so a that's what yeah. Mexican yeah. adaptation of a shave ice. Yeah, basically. so basically, I get this, and it's clear, and I might mm-hmm. I might be deceived for a moment, but the moment I take a sip, it's actually sweet, and so my my drink is. It's clear, and I, I it would be that raspa, and this it is coconut. Coconut. This would be the coconut fruit splash, I believe. Okay, yes. all right. Is it sugar free, or uh, does it taste sugar free? I mean, it tastes delicious, so I'm guessing it's not sugar free. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. Okay, Brandon. Yes. Sir. You have an iced drink. I do. And ice is a premium today because we had a little ice trouble, so we brought in a truckload of ice just. Mm. Probably just for this show, really, was the main emphasis wow. there. 200 pounds of ice. So uh, what does it taste like? I would say it is like a very creamy white mocha. So it is very... Is it's it a caramely very, flavor? I would say there is a hint of that. Could it be the caramel white mocha? It like could, last week? could be. It could, it could be. be. This kind of reminds me of how my wife makes coffee. So she yes. has a lot, a lot of creamer. Okay. And it is very, very sweet. Yes. So I believe that's what it is. Now, um, as a fellow artist, I mean, you and I understand these things as artists. Uh, yes, yes. What color would you describe that drink as? Mm. What would be the, the Pantone uh, description of that, that color? Uh, this would be like a yellow ochre with uh, a tint. Um, a taupe? Use <laughs> a taupe. <laughs> it would be like a, a, a toffee. Or like a, a very light toffee. Okay. All right. Khaki, uh, yeah. Khaki. yeah. Maybe a, a khaki, khaki color. <laughs> so like a, a British mid-18th century period khaki uh, high-waist coat. Yes, I, I got you. Okay. All right. Great. Okay. So it could be a caramel iced, what did we say, white mocha? Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, Lawrence, yours is almost gone. Must be good. Real good. This is one of the most um, standard drinks, I guess you could say. Uh, the history of this drink comes from the mid two thousands. Well, not really. That'd be two thousand fifty. Um, but the ones we've had so far, yes, so like a two thousand seven, mm-hmm. two thousand eight. Yeah. Yep, yep. Was going for is uh, on Guam. The temperature a little warm here, but you had a lot of people liking hot chocolate. Mm-hmm. And one mom, I think, came in with the idea that you know we should just we should just cool it yep. and have something called chilled chocolate. Yep. And so it tastes like hot chocolate, but it's in ice with some whipped cream on top. I haven't had one of these in probably two years, and it was a welcome reminder of how good they are. Yes. So, Do you know which chocolate, mom it was? I want to say it was, was Janet Hahn is what I've heard the story. It was my wife, Tammy Baldwin, <clears throat> mm-hmm. who, happy anniversary, hon. Yeah. Didn't forget. Nice. Maybe I'll get you chilled chocolate. <laughs> and Janet Hahn. They were trying to come up with a way to provide drinks for kids because back then it was a limited menu and they were trying to come up with a drink that was kid-friendly, didn't have coffee in it, but that they could make quickly and it wasn't going to be hot. The kids were ordering hot chocolate already, but to make it a little more car line friendly and make it quicker to prepare. It might have been your wife telling me the story, which is why. There you go. Her name didn't. They are. They're super tasty and uh, they are. In the whipped cream, it, it put, you nice into, flavor. put you into a so. diabetic coma oh, yes. if you drink too many of those. I'm happy though. Chris, what do you have there? What's it taste like? I have a tea drink. It tastes like, though, that it has a flavor to it. And I'm not sure what the flavor is. It's an iced tea. Taking another drink. Yes, Sorry that's that. fine. No, the listening audience appreciates yeah, that. They do? Yeah, okay. and they like the narration. Like they want to know what you just did that took you off the air. Oh, it's a. Um, 
it's a tea drink that's sweet, and it seems to have some other flavor in it that I can't place. Can't quite put your finger on it. Yeah, I'm not. It's on like, the tip of I'm your not tongue, like Lawrence, literally. I don't have the I don't have the intuition for the yeah game. Lawrence, so. what do you think the great. flavor is? Now, Lawrence, just from looking at it with your X-ray vision, <laughs> what flavor do you think is in his tea? I mean, it's probably. Oh, sorry, I moved my mic. That's it's right. probably a peach green tea. Um, I, I don't know. I, that I would mean, be super it, specific if you get that it right. It could be. It's probably oh. definitely in, uh, or it's the Shangri-La, and they put a little bit of uh, calamansi or. Or uh, um, something in there in the Shangri-La. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it could be the hub version of the Arnold Palmer with a little calamansi and uh, Shangri-La. Could be. I think I have a calamansi drink, just a straight up. No, that's not a normal. Mm. It's, um, yeah, and it, and I don't think this is carbonated either. I think this is just, this is just calamansi drink. It's the nectar of many thousands of calamansi's. Mm. Hand squeezed, poor little calamansi into into <laughs> these little glass bottles that have been carried on the backs of pack mules from from the Florida Keys all the way to here. Hmm. That would be from the Florida Keys swimming. Pack How did they? <laughs> They're key limes. Calamansi's <laughs> yeah. are key limes. I think. Yeah, apparently they yeah. had to swim. They for just it. walk around the deck of the ship until they get here. So okay. it's something like that. I think it's a calamansi drink. Let's see. Number one, Chris. Chris has a mango iced tea, mm. which mango. is basically the tropical peach iced tea. So very nice. good for both of nice. you there. Number mango. two Beautiful. is uh, Lawrence's chilled chocolate. Awesome. Number three, I just have a straight up calamansi drink. So if uh-huh. you ask for calamansi, it is like a basically like a limeade, basically. Mm. Uh, number four, pineapple coconut fruit splash. That's what it was. Co- uh, there, I, there was coconut, but then... Uh, coconut the smooths pineap- everything out a little bit. Uh, yeah, that's what it was. And um, number five, you gave into the power suggestion too soon with Lawrence, is just a white mocha. Oh. White mocha iced. <laughs> well, I just asked iced. if there were caramel. It was very sweet. It's very sweet. Yeah, yeah, once you say something like caramel or amaretto or yeah, almond, all then in there. people are like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe that is. There's a pump of it all. Maybe that is. So, All right. Well, listeners, you should stop by the Hub uh, any day, Monday through Friday, 7.30 a.m. to 4 p.m. We're going to take a super short break here. And when we come back, we're going to play the quiz with Sebastian. That's some epic bumper music there. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, and we're gonna put Brandon through the paces. We know he's an artist, but is he is he a good quiz taker? And that's the question. And then we're gonna do a little this day in history with Lawrence. So l- listeners, stick around a little more live till five after this short break. back with a little more live till five it's friday august 24th 4 20 p.m here at the khmg studios if you ever miss the show go to khmg.org download the podcast and if you don't have a lot of time listen to it listen to it in two times speed now for our listening audience we always have these great conversations off air but uh, let, let me just read a few adjectives to you, and then you yell out out loud in your car or at work or at home um, what these relate to. 
Uh, smothered, covered, chunked, diced, peppered, capped, topped, country, or all the way. What do those relate to? I'll, I'll give you a hint. Above this, it says scattered on the grill. That would be the hash brown selections at Waffle House in the States. Yes. I know. We just in made In case you all you're hungry. curious, most yeah. of our off, off mic conversations end up at a food uh, yeah. type conversation. Well, Brandon started talking about hash browns, and that just yeah. got us going. And yeah. we just ventured off down a pretty happy we trail. Talked, we <laughs> talked about pine cone, which, it, you know, it's been a month, so we it need to bring has. it up every month. We can't let them know, or we, we, we want to let them know we haven't That's forgotten. Right. Waffle House. I tried to go to Waffle House when we were in the States, and my wife would not go to Waffle House. I, I, I go every time I go. Oh, if, I'm behor- I'm, if I'm southern, south of the Mason-Dixon line, right. I attend. Yeah. I yeah. attend the Waffle House. That's how We drove how past 10 Waffle Houses. I mean, oh, 10 I at least. I would have gotten an no, orange juice at one. I'm not hungry. That's and at just... least two pecan waffles at the other. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes. Those, those are so good. Waffle House. Anyway, we need one on Guam. We do. I'd love to have one Waffle here. House. Right next to IHOB. IHOB. Yes. Yeah, yeah right. IHOB. It, maybe it would uh, give other businesses, you know, some competition. Yeah. And every, you know, a rising tide raises all ships. And so, you know, uh, a Waffle can't, House comes to town. Can't argue with that. I mean, it's it's a fact. <laughs> it's, a, it's an economic Law. Well, I'm going to look into that. An economic law, it's, or it's just a, a or just, just a statement, um, or yeah. it might be axiomatic. I'm not sure. It's one or the other. It's one or the other. It's a Hobson's choice. It's a Hobson's oh. choice. But it's a lot of fun to think that <laughs> Waffle House would raise the economics bargain. of Guam. No. It's not a Faustian bargain. I talked about that in the first hour. <laughs> definitely not. Oh, not man. a Faustian. How bargain. How could it be? No, no, definitely not. Okay. <laughs> All right. So now this time uh, of the show for those listening in the second hour, we have. Sebastian Basildua brings us a quiz, and every week it's a thrilling uh, challenge to see who of us can randomly guess the answers to his quiz. And so, Sebastian, with no further ado, here's your epic intro. I hear a couple things going on. <laughs> There's Mike. Yeah, you got two I, things. I, I don't know what happened there. It was like we had two songs going on at the same like time. Sounds like a zoo. Because this quiz is about animals, so there we go. That's how we'll transition that. Perfect. Yeah. Have you been to the zoo here on Guam? I have not. They have an alligator. They have an ostrich. They still have an ostrich? I don't know. I just always see that picture of an ostrich. alligator? They have an alligator. They did. Down there in uh, by um, Matopping Beach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. You can smell it. (laughs) I've smelled it. I've never been to it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The zoo or the alligator? Uh, it's probably the alligator. <laughs> it's a part. Okay. Yep. Even though he's he's uh, the one he got time away. they had a lion at one time, but I don't know if the lion's really? still alive or not. Yeah. I just remember Southern Comfort. Southern Comfort Ranch was basically. How would they get a lion here? Like just they, they shipped it in? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Southern, they a lion I thought anywhere. they had one at Southern Comfort for a oh, while, and I think that they rescued it and took it to that zoo. Mm. And it, will, yeah, I don't I don't want to say too much because I haven't been in there, but I've just heard that yeah. it's. You know, it's very basic. <laughs> so in case very you just basic. turn the car around to go to the zoo to see the lion. Yeah. 
put the brakes on. Yeah, I we don't, don't know. <laughs> we can't guarantee anything. Here. They used to have a couple Bengal tigers in a cage out Come in front on. of the Globe Theater. Oh yeah, yes. I, I did know that. Yeah, that was and a you while could walk ago. By. Yeah, now I'm not sure if that they was kind of scary. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In yeah. hindsight, <laughs> one of the most <laughs> populated area in Guam. Yeah, put a couple tigers there. Sure, that excites people. All well, right, Sebastian, well, tell us about the zoo. Let's get on track here. With we're this, on track. <laughs> you have our undivided attention. It's been attention. a full five minutes since the intro music, and we haven't asked a question <laughs> no, yet. I'm just okay, here we go. Uh, I'll start with Jared, and then we'll go to Chris, then Lawrence, then Brandon, then me giving the question. Here we go. But we'll start with me, so there's no confusion. Sure. Okay. We'll start and end with you, Roger. <laughs> All right, question number one. Which of these frog species is native to Colombia? And is extremely poisonous. The golden dart frog, the gray foam nest tree frog, the Goliath frog, or the European fire-bellied toad. In Colombia. The European toad from Colombia? Well, I guess not you that know, one. He took a wrong turn in Argentina. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> he hopped on the return trip with Columbus. Right. Um. Golden I would go dart. with the golden right. dart. I think it's the golden dart. Sure, you mm. don't want to go with Goliath. <laughs> not, not now. now. <laughs> <laughs> not after all that. Right. No, but you could be playing psychological oh. warfare on us mm. for all we I, know. I, I have done have that. You. Remember, I went in the Greek last time. You did. You messed <laughs> us up. I hate to have you read those back, but I'm going to have The golden dart back. frog, the gray foam nest tree frog, the, the Goliath, Goliath frog. <laughs> And the European firebelly toad. Um, the Goliath frog. I'm going to go oh. with the uh, the golden dart as well. I will go with the firebelly. Ooh, nice. But it is the golden dart frog. <laughs> yeah, sorry. So good job. Yeah, it has skin that is coated in alkaloid poison. Yeah, I, I think I've seen that somewhere where it's like... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's poison the zoo, from perhaps? the skin. Yeah, not the Guam, not the Guam Zoo. Not the oh, Guam okay. No, I just I've seen that in some literature or something. Like, oh, he was shot with the poison from a golden dart. Shot? They shoot something? Wow! Wow! My favorite instruction with a blowgun. Actually, they shoot, each they frog carries around. Guns. They literally a stick a frog in the end of a, and a, a three-inch pipe, Whoa. and then it takes someone with big lungs, and then <laughs> and it flies That's like amazing. twelve feet. I mean, they actually they shoot, shoot the, the whole frog. frog. No, <laughs> what it is? Frog. Let me let me rewind here. What it is is in the Amazon jungles, people that hunt with blowguns take a long sliver of bamboo, dip it in the poison taken from the golden oh. dart frog's uh, essence, I thought put essence. It, and then they shoot it, yeah. and it sticks in someone's sticks in a, a a wild boar's neck, and then they eventually stagger around for a while. And fall over, and then the whole village has a barbecue. Sure. And then they go get, like, potato chips and stuff to go with Thanks it. Thanks to the golden dart. Potato chips. Yeah. Everything is so unrefined. <laughs> seen this before. Until the potato chips came <laughs> right. in the picture. And then and all of then, a sudden, it was yesterday. Yes. And then they all have, they hear the ice cream truck, and they get yep. raspas. Wow, we really went on a rabbit trail <laughs> <Yeah>. there. <laughs> um, <laughs> Welcome uh, back. Um, this yeah, will be with, the one-hour quiz. With, Sorry, those, with those darts, I'd be very careful not to inhale but that's right. before you shoot. Yes, <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> yes, that's hilarious. Okay, here we go. Next question. 
What do raccoons often do with their food? So much so that the behavior became part of their scientific name. Prokion Lotor. I don't really know what that means, but I don't think that matters. <laughs> um, wash or douse it in water. Store it for days in their cheeks. Or crumble it into small pieces. Uh, they douse it in water. Uh, it. Crumble it into small pieces. Yeah, they wash it, and I'll tell a funny story after we're done here. Thank you. Crumbled? All right. That's how the cookie crumbles. But it's uh, washing, yeah. Oh. So wash there's a little video out there of a raccoon. <laughs> no, was I was going to share that. Oh, you? Yeah. Well, go <laughs> I was going to share that. <laughs> I was thinking about this whole time. Yes, there's a video out there on Facebook or any other social media platform you might follow. And uh, there, it has a raccoon holding a piece of cotton candy, and he's going to go wash it because that's what they do with their food. And he puts it in there, and then he looks away for a second, and it's like, oh. Where's it go? Where'd it go? And, you know, cotton Disappeared. candy, it dissolves. So, <laughs> I had a pet raccoon when we were kids. My dad rescued one out of a tree. They're not great pets. And they were, it was a little palm-sized, cute little raccoon. Yeah. But then he just got bigger and bigger and oh. wilder and wilder. And um, he would lunge into the refrigerator, lunge into the refrigerator. When you open the door, you would have to look over your shoulder to make sure Bruno, he was Bruno the raccoon um, Bruno <laughs> nice. was nowhere around. Open the door, literally, as soon as it's open. This raccoon come flying out of nowhere, jump and right in and just start tearing into all the food. Wow. And then he would get kind of yeah, mean. Yeah, grab him by the scruff, of, be, scruff be, of the I'd neck. And they have out. needly little teeth. And so we put him in a cage outside. We came home from church one night. And Bruno, what we didn't realize is he was royalty. He was the king of all the raccoons. We mm. came home and he was in this big cage. And there were a dozen raccoons all <laughs> sitting around the cage. How do you become that if he'd grown up in your house? I don't know. Is it because it's, he grew up in your I, house? The raccoons knew it? I think said. it's heredity. I think he was born wow. like the prince of the raccoons and he was lost at birth. And then they and someone, yeah, yeah, one of the, like one of his uh, father raccoons um, bishops yeah. realized Neo. he was there, went and told the others. I mean, there were huge raccoons all sitting around the cage. That he had been found. Yes, yeah. right. And He's so we pro- ended up letting the, him go at Smithville Lake. The prodigal raccoon. Between this and the and the boomerang shoe, yeah. this is quite a childhood that you've my, got going I, here. You King know what? Bruno the raccoon I'm and hoping the that shoe. everyone's starting to learn just a little more about how I'm wired now. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> I am. And wow. a few more of these fairy tales. They like natural peanut butter. <laughs> okay, so we got two right. Let's keep going. We're on a roll here. Okay, next question. <laughs> Sorry, there was no animal pun with that. Uh, wow. Don't apologize. <sighs> yeah, next time. Just keep it going. Question number six. Which of the following animals does not move around by knuckle walking? A Bengal tiger? A giant anteater? A gorilla? Or a platypus? Hmm. That's a good question, Sebastian. Thank you. Because um, I've never thought of the phrase knuckle walking before. Yeah. But now I'm going to use it. <laughs> the yes. only one that I've visualized, like actually, like no, is the gorilla. Yeah. The other three, honestly. Well, you know, it's a good question. If you got the and then the. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe uh, I'm thinking the uh, duck-billed platypus does not walk on his knuckles. Platypus for me as well. 
Uh, I'm going to go with the tiger. Platypus. Uh, the correct answer is the Bengal tiger. Good Whoa. job, Lawrence. Yeah, the gorillas knuckle walk so that they can carry small o- objects in their hands. Mm-hmm, like car keys and stuff. And I've pump. just seen a tiger. I've only seen a yeah. gorilla on a tiger walk, and the gorilla, or the tiger, I was like, I don't think that. Doesn't look like he's. It's just on his paw. Yeah, you can still see his rings it's, and stuff. It's a cat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Versus. Yeah. Oh, great. Like Shere Khan. Shere Khan. Doesn't he wear those rings? Yeah, that's right. I think he wears some jewelry. He, yeah, he yeah. does. He's got like ring, like a little engagement ring from. <laughs> Engagement. What? Yeah. <laughs> he got it from Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> Question seven. Which of these is true regarding the sea otter in comparison to most other marine anim- mammals? Animals? I don't know. Mammals. Marine mammals? Marine mammals. That sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> I like how you give us the quiz, then you go, I don't know. There's not <laughs> very many how marine. Would I know? How would There's I not know? really <laughs> m- many marine mammals. Mm. The biggest. Well, I said not many. Mm. Like, there are some. Yes. Yeah, there you go. So which of these is true regarding the sea otter in comparison to most other marine mammals? It has no blubber, but has very thick fur. It can breathe underwater. It never goes in the water. It has no hair at all. Uh, okay. So um, which of these is see. true? I would say has no. It's regarding what's true. The sea otter. Which is true? Which one is true? The the sea otter. <laughs> what? The uh, I would say he has no blubber. Yeah. Uh, a no blubber for me too because I know it's not the water one. I've seen him in the water myself. And, <laughs> myself. Uh, I was at so, a zoo. I yeah. went swimming with them once. Not the Guam zoo. Not the Guam zoo. We don't have otters down there. Nope. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna go with A as well. Where's your no. uh, second one? It can breathe underwater. Oh, that's not true. Um, the first. No blubber. Blubber. No blubber. That's correct. It has, but it has very thick fur. Yes. Mm-hmm. Great. You know, yeah. uh, none of us get a point for that. But ah, now great. that's a, that's a serious compliment. Hun, you look as slim as it's a sea otter. otter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they have no blubber. If you, blubber. you have to explain it there for a second, but Brandon, I'd recommend you go home and say it to your wife. It also means she has thick skin. <laughs> yeah. Go home yeah. and say to your wife and let us know mm. how that went. Because that's like right twofold. <laughs> it means that she's thick enough skin to take the compliment. That's right. That's yeah. right. Mm-hmm. And she's not She's got blubbery. thick fur as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. strange. Thick fur. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> well, right take, it how, take it how you want it. I don't know. Yeah. All right. If you're listening at home, Karina, we're sorry. We're just... What do you mean, we? (laughs) Brandon's really sorry. I'm not part of this. (laughs) This is Jared's idea. (laughs) Are we ready for this? Oh, yeah, we're good. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Final question. The hippopotamus secretes highly acidic compounds from its skin, which is sometimes called blood sweat. What is this for? It acts as sunscreen, it is camouflage, or it is for the hippo to lick and stay hydrated. Hmm. That is disturbing. <laughs> Don't use this I'm as gonna a compliment. Go with yeah. this. <laughs> no, it's not a compliment at all. Yeah. No. Your like skin glistens like <laughs> like a sweat. hippo's blood sweat. <laughs> Hip hopopotamus. Okay, um, it, it is, uh, I would say, sunscreen. Mm-hmm. I agree. Hmm. Well, 
Uh, the the licking and staying hydrated is the worst of the bunch, so I'm going with that. But it's so specific, yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. I can't it's, imagine it's, Sebastian it's making horrific. that up. Yes, it's just, it may, just may be horrific enough mm, to right. be true. Mm. I say the sunscreen. Oh. Chris taking one for the team, so that everyone else may have a point. Wow. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yes, got one. <laughs> Thank you. You gave Brandon a point. because yes. <laughs> he had nothing. No. <laughs> But so the final results here, Lawrence with four points. Nice. All right. Way to go, Lawrence. Once again, breaking the stigma that the first person who goes always wins because that's not true. The last two weeks, that's not been true. Was it a stigma? It was. Or a a theory? Yeah, it's been a theory. It was axiomatic. It's been a proven theory for many weeks. It was a law. (laughs) It was a law. We did not replicate you broke though, the, the law. factors perfectly yeah. every yeah. time. Yeah. You guys so, just all thought tigers walked in their knuckles, and I was like, nah, it doesn't sound right. Yeah. So, <laughs> other than that. I didn't even know you pronounced it like that. I thought you called them knuckles. Knuckles. Till just now. Knuckles. Knuckles. Well, Lawrence, since you're here. Yeah. I mean, while we're at it, before we take a break, why don't you give us a few factoids from history, this day in history? It is August 24th. A lot has probably happened on August twenty-fourth in history. In fact, in Many seventy-nine things. A.D., Mount Vesuvius erupted. Oh, that's this, probably this why today's day. Vesuvius Day. <laughs> oh, did you bring that up yes. at the beginning of the show? I didn't know why. I just was kind of postulating that that might be it. Yeah, yeah. Mount Vesuvius erupt buried Roman Pompey and Herculaneum. Uh, Fifteen thousand die. Uh, they've since gone back into that city and uh, discovered ruins that are basically people. Were in the market with, you know, herbs yeah. and things in their little pot shopping, and they're still there today. Uh, the herbs are and uh, pretty incredible preservation uh, that a, that a volcano will do on a city or on anything it wow. erupts on. So, uh, sticking with the theme of Rome, uh, four ten Rome overrun by Visigoths under Alaric the first for the first time in nearly eight hundred years, seen as the fall of the Western Roman Empire. So that also happened on this day in 410 um, A.D., uh, again, after they had lasted for almost 800 years as a uh, as a. Would um, you rather have, empire. Be, have a volcano erupt or be invaded by Visigoths? Visigoths. It yeah. depends on if you're in Pompeii or not. If you're not, right. I'll, take, I'll take that. Okay. The Visigoths changed the entire uh, thing, but if you were a, a member of Pompeii, obviously you'd take the Visigoths. <laughs> Volcano, you're toast. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> toast. Sorry. <laughs> um, it's still too soon. Yeah, you know. too, too soon. I just, yeah. I just announced that 1,900 years today. later, still too soon. Too soon. 1682, Duke James of York gives Delaware to William Penn. Like uh, the Grand Old Duke of York? The Grand Old Duke of York gave Duke it to James. William Penn. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then William Penn, as I've explained in here many times, will later go on and uh, claim Pennsylvania, or Penn's Woods, is what that stands for. So uh, I've said that many times up here, yeah. so I won't explain it again. That's when I learned what Sylvania means. Yeah, Woods. Was from your description. There's like Transylvania. Transylvania. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. 1847, Charlotte Bronte finishes the manuscript of Jane Eyre. Uh, pretty pretty popular book for high school lit classes. Those, those are read. I had to read it in high school. Had um, to. You didn't do it because you wanted to. No. It was in under I duress. Went to, I wouldn't have read Jane Eyre had I had a choice. It was one of those, do it and get a grade or, yeah. or not. 
1932, also another interesting thing. First transcontinental nonstop flight by a woman. Who was she? Amelia. Amelia. Earhart. Amelia Earhart, yeah. There's all sorts of stuff that's come out about her in the last like year. Yes. Uh, about where she actually was and the fact that she didn't die uh, right away like they thought. And um, There's so. someone here in Micronesia that had claimed that yeah. Uh, yeah. she Saipan was on that island. Saipan and Tinian. Yep, and they have... Yeah. Yeah, they have, the they have photos from Marshall Islands that they believe maybe that was her. Yeah, um, it's you know it's it's shrouded in intrigue. Hmm. Yeah, and they, some of these in history need need a few stories like that, um, just to keep things interesting. Um, and as I say every week, um, we like to try to end this day with um, an interesting story, a positive story. Uh, even though not every week this comes up with one. Um, but I'll, I'll give you a couple here. Uh, 2017, largest ever lottery jackpot win in the U.S., $758 million, won by Mavis Wanziak of Massachusetts in U.S. Powerball jackpot. So it'd be interesting to look up where they are now. Uh, what was that, two years ago? No, one year ago. Just kind of see if they have anything if left. If their life is still... yeah. yeah. Because most of those stories you look up... Very sad. Uh, they start maybe positive or thinking it's positive to win a lot of money. Um, but... Yeah, there's a whole... There's obviously a lot of theories about um, um, how you treat anything you don't earn, whether you win it or whether you're given it or whatever. So yeah, yeah. A lot of it's true. You don't value it. Yeah. don't value it as much. So that started out as a positive and... Yeah, well, then we kind of got uh, the, the story is yet to, to be. Negative. Yeah, the story. Yeah, we don't is, know. We don't, we don't know. know. They could hopefully be. Mavis is doing great. Mavis yeah. could be maybe. Amazing gave, Mavis gave all sorts of stuff away to Start charity and things like that. The big hey. time lottery. Hey, hopefully yeah. her village hasn't been invaded by the Visigoths. Oh, yeah, something. boy, or, or the, that whole Vesuvian incident, or the yeah. knuckle walking tigers. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> knuckle walking tigers. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy alright well hey that was fun guys thanks for uh, being up here Lawrence thanks for coming Chris uh, Brandon have a great weekend hey, thanks guys alright listeners you stick around we're gonna have a little more live till 5 after this short break wanna talk a little bit more about our topic of the day pets and animals so you're listening to live till 5 here on Friday August 24th 4.42pm here at the KHMD studios if you ever miss part of the show Saturdays noon to 2 Sunday night 7 to 9pm Catch us on The Rebound when we rebroadcast the show in its entirety or download the podcast through khmg.org. Be right back after this. And we're back with a little more Live Till 5. I want to talk about our topic of the day. A couple of things came up this week where we just had all these random conversations about animals. And I learned a couple of things this week. For example, what are pelagic fish? Pelagic fish. They're fish that inhabit the water column that's not near the bottom and not near the shore of coasts, open oceans, and even lakes. They can be categorized as coastal or ocean fish based on the depth of the water they inhabit. Coastal pelagic fish inhabit sunlit waters about to, uh, up to about 655 feet or 200 meters deep, typically above the continental shelf. 
Examples of species include forage fish such as anchovies, sardines, shad, minhaddon, and then predatory fish that feed on them. Oceanic pelagic fish typically inhabit waters below the continental shelf. Examples include larger fish such as swordfish, tuna, and even mackerel and sharks. There's no distinct boundary from coastal to ocean waters, so some oceanic fish become partial residents of coastal waters during the different stages of their life cycle. However, true oceanic species spend their entire life in the open ocean. Pelagic fish. Here's another story. One of uh, our listeners, TB, was telling me about, so I pulled it up. So I was on a flight earlier this year, and I saw someone that had a an emotional support dog with them. And I'm not here to make fun of that or to laugh about that necessarily. I was surprised that Southwest Airlines uh, allows not just emotional support dogs or emotional support cats. The airline, according to this article I downloaded here from Fast Company, excuse me, is now allowing other diminutive creatures, including miniature horses. Miniature horses for support. Starting September 17th, Southwest Airlines will join JetBlue and American Airlines in allowing pint-sized service ponies on board. Uh, Afar reports, under the new policy, Southwest will only invite three types of animals to fly in the cabin. Dogs, cats, and miniature horses. So um, I guess there were, uh, someone had an emotional support service peacock. Um, Spiders. these are both uh, mentioned specifically in the new Southwest policy. And there's actually a good video uh, where you can see a pony being taken on a plane. And if you're doubting that a two-and-a-half-foot-tall horse would make a good assistant, the American with Disabilities Act disagrees with you, recognizing that tiny equines are trusted service animals. I would have never thought that. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about pets here. Got me thinking. Did you know there was a time where you could order a monkey in the mail? Yes, it's right. A darling pet monkey. I'm looking at the ad right now from Grit Magazine. You remember Grit Magazine when you were a kid? It was like a little comic book that was really mail order stuff for kids. And sometimes had some comics in it. Grit, the front of the magazine said, look, fellows. You can win your choice of neat prizes and f- free regularly, plus as much as $1 to $6 cash every week. So Grit, when I was a kid, was still being sold in the 1970s and 80s. 20 cents a copy was the going rate, and you got to keep 7 cents of that. There were over 30,000 boys across America that could make money and quote-unquote get dandy prizes without one cent of cost. And it was really kind of a mail order thing. But some of the mail order things in the Grit magazine were pets. A darling pet monkey, $18.95, comes with a free cage, free leather collar and leash, free toy and instructions included with each monkey. Loads of fun and amusement. Squirrel monkey makes an adorable pet and companion. Almost human with its warm eyes. Your family will love it. They grow to about 12 inches high and it goes on. That's not it. As we talked about earlier in the show about raccoons, Pet Baby Raccoon, one of America's favorite pets, has always been and still is. 
easy to care for, $29.95, comes with a cage, and you send a cashier's check to this place in Florida, and they would send you uh, one of these pets. Now, I'm going to digress real quick here. You could also get a Polaris nuclear submarine that fires rockets and torpedoes for only $6.98. Now, these are during different generations of the Grit magazine. Seven feet long, seats two kids, controls that work, rockets that fire, real periscope, firing torpedoes, electrically lit instrument panel. Wow. For only $6.98. Also, you could take a super bodybuilding course. You'll put on inches of powerful muscle on your body. And it shows a picture of a guy here. Maury Mitchell gained 65 pounds of muscle while following our revolutionary new methods on bodybuilding. Double or triple your strength in record time. And it goes on through all these things that you get from it. Oh, there's another one here. Uh, Let's see here. How to get along with girls. How to date a girl. How to interest her in you. How to win her love. How to make up with her. That's that's something that guys need to know how to do because if you're getting all your advice from a comic book, you're probably going to need to know how to patch up that relationship from time to time. Sea monkeys. This is the one I was thinking of that got me looking at this. Sea monkeys, one of the most common pets in comic books and in Grit Magazine. Way oversold. For $1, enter the wonderful world of amazing live sea monkeys. Own a bowl full of happiness. Instant pets. Just add water. And uh, that's all. In one second, your amazing sea monkeys actually grow to life. Yes, they hatch instantly. Uh, So eager to please, they can even be trained. And they show these pictures of these creatures that are nothing like what the sea monkeys actually were. A frontier cabin for only a dollar, five or four dollars. I think it was basically like a giant cardboard box. Silly putty, and they show it floating in the bathtub like a ship. Here's a very interesting one. Kung Fu sandals. Authentic, worn for centuries by Oriental fighting masters. Handmade, 100% rice straw. Ideal for indoors and outdoors. Every pair from Tohoku region of old Japan. Rush foot tracing and $3 to Mikado Crafts, Bridgeport, Connecticut. So you trace your foot and then they would make these sandals for you. Kung Fu out of Japan. We know that that isn't the way that works. Kung Fu is not out of Japan. But here's another one. This one was in comic books uh, when I was growing up. Something else you could order through the mail. Not a pet. I thought this one was one I would actually sign up for. I might even send a postcard to this address and see if they still have it. The world's deadliest fighting trick presented for the first time. The deadly secrets of killer kung fu. Terrifying, deadly, destructive, amazing. The claw of terror. Destroy any attacker with these secrets. Oriental killer gouge. Instant death blows. Talons of terror. Feet like steel. Many more too vicious for this ad. Then it says, banned in most civilized countries. So I guess in uncivilized countries, this is really popular. Never before have these secrets been taught in public schools. The most expensive karate class will never deal with this deadly art. The incredibly savage and vicious nature of killer kung fu will never be revealed through the movies or television. It's too extreme. And then it goes on and on. And if you send uh, this postcard in, rush copy of killer kung fu in a plain wrapper immediately, that's what you get 
you also get a special bonus uh, for ordering so early, the authentic certificate of membership into the Oriental Devil Fighting Society. Yeah, interesting, right? All these things and more were available. But uh, the pets were the thing that really grabbed my attention. And having pets has some very positive ramifications. Uh, For example, uh, let's see here. Well, I won't go through all those right now. But having pets, let me, let me just give you a couple here. Companionship lowers the risk of depression. Non-pet owners are four times more likely to be diagnosed with clinical depression than pet owners. Uh, support and unconditional love. Pets offer affection without needing to understand your disorder and can even sense when you need help. In a survey of people diagnosed with mental illness, 60% of those polled place their pet in their central and most important social circle. Socialization. One group of children with autism became at least 10% more social with peers after caring for a classroom guinea pig. Researchers attribute caring for an animal with these boosted social skills. Plus, pets help get you outside from being trapped inside. Smiles and laughter. You probably smile when your pet does something funny, right? Um, Smiling triggers specific nerve transmitters associated with feelings of happiness And, of course, they have a calming effect. They provide healthy routine. They give you purpose and pride, increased confidence, and help with a variety of disorders. That's what pets do for you. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take a very short break. When I come back, going to wrap up the show. Glad to have you with us today. It's been a great two hours. A couple more minutes left. It's 4.57 on this Friday, August 24th. Stick around for a little more Live Till 5 after this short break. Walk with me, Lord, God, walk with me, while I'm on this old tedious journey, I want Jesus to walk with me. And we're down to the last couple minutes of Live Till 5. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. This was episode 278 of Live Till 5. Glad to have you with us today. Want to just give you a quick invitation to Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday. If you don't have a church home, not a, a, a church, a Bible-preaching church that you've been going to regularly, I'd encourage you to visit us this Sunday morning. It's going to be great. 9.30 a.m. We're starting a bunch of new classes, including our Foundations class for people that are interested in joining our church. 10.30 a.m. is a very special service for us. It's the Heron's Farewell Service. So if you can make it Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. at the Harvest Auditorium, we're going to be saying goodbye to Pastor Heron and his wife Tammy, 18-plus years of service here, and then we're going to have a fiesta, free fiesta, catered. Anyone that comes to the service is welcome to come over to the Family Life Center and enjoy that going-away fiesta with us. I want to invite you Sunday morning, 10.30 a.m. There is no evening service because of the fiesta, but we'd love to have you. And that's about it for Live Till 5, episode 278 on this Friday. August 24th. Thanks for listening. You're listening on 88.1 FM KHMG Harvest Family Radio, Baragata Guam. Have a great weekend.